Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here with another episode of the Rad Dad Show. On this episode, I managed to catch up with the host of one of my absolute favorite podcasts, that one time on tour. And of course, I'm talking about Chris Swinney. Chris is well known as a guitarist in the punk rock community, and perhaps most notably as one of the guitarists for the Ataris. But now Chris spends most of his time on his podcast, his new music studio, and of course his family. It's so funny, Chris and I totally derailed early on in this interview and just got chatting about podcasting and how his show came to be. We didn't really get to the dad part of the interview until about 30 minutes in, so if you want to jump ahead, feel free, but honestly, it was such a good conversation, I just couldn't cut any of it out. And if you're a fan of his podcast, and you definitely should be, you'll really enjoy some of that discussion. We did get into some dad stuff, obviously, and Chris shared the story of moving to Jamaica literally weeks after his son Silas was born. He talked about some great memories of listening to music with his dad, and he explained how he's learned to listen to his gut and then do the opposite. Honestly, I had a smile on my face this whole interview, and I know you will too listening to it. So without further delay, here's my interview with Chris Swinney from that One Time on Tour podcast on the Rad Dads Show. I normally prepare for everything, right? <laughs> yeah, when you're on the other side of it, it's uh, it's a little bit easier. Just show up. It's a nice uh, change, you know, when, when I'm the one getting asked the questions. It's, it's kind of cool. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, well, I'll maybe, before we kind of get started, maybe I'll just give you a bit of a heads up. I don't, and I don't know how much you would have seen if you looked on our social media and stuff um, about kind of what Rad Dads is. Okay. So we actually started, um, so it's Rad Dads Edmonton Chapters. So it's kind of a local thing. We're not a charity, at least not yet, uh, or nonprofit or whatever, just kind of a grassroots organization that just, the whole idea is just to get dads out doing stuff with their kids. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of started with just kind of some small events or whatever. Usually we put on events that are centered around things that we like to do as dads. So, um, you know, a lot of us are into punk rock or metal or skateboarding or whatever. So we kind of do a lot of stuff around, around those things and, um, you know, then just make them family friendly. So we've had some all ager ragers where you can bring your like two and three year olds and, you know, with proper ear protection and, uh, you know, have a, have a punk show with your kids there. Um, we've done, throughout the pandemic we've done some weekly skate nights at a skate park um that's local here and you just come out and skate and that's it um just stuff to get people together and then most of our events you you know we raise a little bit of money for local charities or whatever and then we started the podcast it was started by the founder of of rad dads edmonton his name's christian um started the podcast a couple years ago just to kind of interview uh dads who we are inspired by and yeah. kind of get their perspectives on parenthood. And it's, it's been kind of interesting, right? Because um, what, what we found out and I think is not really surprising is that we all kind of are going through the same stuff, right? So the challenges you have are the same as the challenges I'm having and, you know, despite very different sort of circumstances. So. Well, yeah. it's kind of cool because I've, I've found a home with that punk rock dad's Facebook group for the podcast. Like, yeah. I've always, the podcast since I started it has been growing, but it seems like since I've hooked up on that group, it's gone way, way up. And I've realized that a lot of my target listenership 
are like me, like guys in their late thirties, early forties that have kids and they love punk rock. And yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a time machine, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I can go back and I didn't know that I would connect as well with everybody, but that's how it's been. And I get, I get emails and, and voicemails and stuff from people all the time. And they're around my same age and my same sort of circumstances. And I did, when I started the podcast, I didn't think that would be the thing, but that's kind of slowly my show has become the show for the punk rock dad. And I really like that because that's yeah. what I am, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's, it, maybe it's something, I mean, I think it might be something about podcasting too. Like I find, I don't know. So what, when do you listen to podcasts? I listen to them like mowing the lawn, like doing laundry, driving, stuff like that. That's a lot of times I'm listening. I don't listen to music a lot anymore when I'm showering. I'll put on like a playlist or whatever. Yep. But yeah, if I'm mowing, mowing the lawn, I've got a podcast going. Anytime I go outside for anything away from my kids or my wife, I hit play on whatever current podcast I'm listening yep. to. It's basically whenever I have time, like when my son's going to sleep at night, if I'm not watching YouTube videos with him to help him go to sleep, I have one of the 90 different podcasts that I listen to going <laughs> and I don't use headphones. So I'm trying to get him to go to sleep. I like I'm laying down next to him and I put the speaker of my iPhone like yeah. under my ear so I can hear it on like one or two. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a never ending thing. It's kind of, kind of crazy. I guess I used to listen to music a hundred percent of the time whenever I had a chance. And now it's more like 80% podcasts, 20% music, you know, and I don't feel like I'm betraying music or anything. It's just, I've gotten accustomed to really enjoying podcasting so much so that I got into it almost three years ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, there's something about it, like, as opposed to listening to music, you kind of feel like you're, maybe it's that you're gaining some new knowledge or, or whatever it is. Like it's almost like yeah. a news source, but it's a very specific news source to what you're interested in. Right. So if you want to do a deep dive on some band or, you know, whatever, some topic, like you can get that through podcasting. And I don't, I don't know if you have experienced this, but uh, sometimes when like I'll get up in the morning, <clears throat> I'll grab my phone and like, I'm going to open up Facebook and see what's going on. I realize that I'm really just scrolling. I'm not really yeah. looking at it. It's like this thing that gives me comfort. I'm, yeah. I'm not even... I'm not even like contemplating like what's going on or like digesting what I'm looking at. Yeah. And with a podcast, like we just went on this big family road trip and I listened to podcasts quite a bit while we were in the car. And once in a while, like I just find myself zoning out to the people's voices. I don't know if that's a thing that happens. Like I, I retain the information if it's something exciting that I was interested in. But if some of the some of the podcasts I listen to all the time, and I, the sound of the guy, the host voice or whatever, like it just almost puts me in a trance, <laughs> and I don't know that I'm actually like digesting everything they're saying, but I I feel calmer because I'm listening to these people that I'm familiar with listening to. It's it's very yeah. strange phenomenon. I don't know. Yeah, I I totally agree, and it's kind of funny. Like I was just thinking about that the other day, but in the context of the radio, I I've like started as I've gotten older listening to the radio. Yeah. Um, you know, like news radio for the most part. And yeah. um, I find the same thing, like half the time I'm not really even paying attention, but I, I do feel it's kind of like something about, yeah, their voices, it's people you're, you recognize and it just kind of, yeah, calms you down a little bit as opposed to, oh, I mean, I guess I still do like to, you know, put some propaganda on or whatever when yeah. I'm like on my way to work to get myself revved up. But 
um, yeah, I'm finding more and more that that sort of news or, or talk, um, radio or podcasting is, is kind of what I'm interested in too. That's what actually led me to listen to my first podcast, not even before I got into like doing it, but I, I, I used to, okay, I was living in Alabama for a while doing this job with a corporate entertainment company. And I ended up playing on the weekends in a reggae band. Our singer Gary was actually from Jamaica. It was like a straight up real reggae band. Okay. And we would play all over the Gulf Coast. So we would be hitting, you know, New Orleans, Mobile, Alabama, everywhere in Mississippi, Florida, wherever. So every weekend I would have these two or three hour drives. And I found myself, you know, I'm getting ready to go play music for three hours. I didn't want to listen to music. Yeah. So I would put on talk radio. But I don't know how it is up in Canada, but in the United States, it's very divisive. It's very slanted. It's political. Yep. And I was, I was starting to find out that the right-wing radio was way too far right for me, and the left-wing radio was way too far left for me. So I got really sick of listening to the talk radio stuff because I didn't agree with a lot of it. And uh, somehow on a, on a Facebook post or something, I saw... I always knew what a podcast was. I just didn't even know I had the access to it on my phone. Like I yeah. was just ignorant to it. So basically somebody posted something about this podcast called how did this get made? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a comedy podcast where like Jason Manzukas and Paul Shear, they, they talk about dumb movies and it, it's hilarious. It's really cool. Yeah. So I've, I actually Googled, <laughs> this is like four or five years ago. <laughs> I Googled, how do you listen to a podcast? <laughs> and the first thing that was like, well, you, if you have an iPhone, you probably already have the app on your phone. So I looked and I had the app and I yep. opened it up and it was just like the floodgates open, man. Yep. There was music podcasts and comedy and I never looked back from there. And, and literally every weekend for almost two years when I would go on those long road trips, it was just episode after episode of anything I could get my hands on that was even remotely of interest to me. That's how it kind of started for me. Yeah. Yeah. I had, had a very similar experience for sure. Um, and for me, it was related to road trips as well. Like I just, I find podcasts pass the time so much better than listening to music, especially if it's yeah. music you're kind of familiar with. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's, it's just like, it's tailor made for you, right? Like if you don't yeah. like that topic, you can just pick something different. <laughs> so I, I love that. Well, and I also like, I, I don't subscribe to many podcasts because I'm, I'm not real sure of like, oh, maybe I don't want this episode on my phone. I don't want to take up room on my phone, whatever. But uh, what I'll do is every day when it updates the list of, of what's updated, yep. I'll hit the little download thing. And sometimes when life gets hectic and I don't have a lot of time to listen, I'll look at my recently downloaded and I'll have like 80 episodes. Yeah. So then I start having this anxiety like, I need to get through these episodes so yeah, that I can yeah. get on to the next stuff. Or you find a podcast like I'm a huge Metallica fan. I mean, I'm a punk rocker. That was like the basis of everything I did in music, but I grew up on Metallica and Slayer and Iron Maiden and stuff like that. So I found this podcast called metal up your podcast, which are these two guys that are professional guitarists in Nashville that are covering Metallica and they have like 200, 300 episodes. Yep. I found them on like episode 200. <laughs> so then I was like, oh my gosh, I've got 200. I had to go back and like go into their back catalog. And I think that happens a lot as well. As my show grows, I'll have like a new episode that'll do really well. And normally after that, it would fall off a bit. But now like I'll have, like I just had Tim from Protest the Hero on, speaking of yeah. Canada. 
And you were a part of that episode. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had that episode and what I found out from like, I'll have a bigger guest come on the show. And then the weeks after that, the entire back catalog will just blow up. So yeah. I, I think as a podcaster, you want the show to grow and yes, you want these new people to come on board, but if they come on board for one episode and then bail, you it's not really a thing. You want them to come and enjoy the rest of it and check it out. And what I find is people will come for a certain guest and then they'll check out stuff. And if they enjoy the show, they enjoy me as a host or whatever, they end up checking out episodes of people they don't even know. And yeah. that's kind of what the point is because then they find out about a new artist and that's why I want people to come on the show. It's, it's cool to do deep dives and just, you know, preach to the choir. But if I, I had a guy on <clears throat> one of my favorite bands that not a lot of people know about is this band called Paper Arms. They're from Australia. Okay. And I had Josh Mann, the singer of Paper Arms, come on. And a lot of people were like, you know, I listened to it and I didn't even know who they were. And I, I downloaded all their stuff and, and I love them now. And that's, that's the point. Like, yep. I can have Jim from Pennywise on, but that's not really going to do much because everybody knows everything there is to know about Pennywise. But when you have the smaller guys on that I really care about and they speak to me, it's really cool to see that feedback that people that love the show because of Jim from Pennywise and because of Lars from Rancid. Right. Listen to Josh's episode and then paper arms have this whole new group of people that like him in the States, which they never even toured here. Right. Yeah. So you're, you kind of need to walk that line, right? Between having kind of the, the big name guests to, get people to come and check out your show um, and then having other people on who are really going to benefit from, from that yeah. exposure. Right. And, and, and one thing that I try to do, and I mean, I'm, I'm not reinventing the wheel or anything, believe me, but I feel like, you know, I don't make a million dollars from this show. It's still a labor of love for doing mm-hmm. it. It's grown to the point now where publicists want their artists to be on the show and that's awesome. And, and I'm not going to turn down anybody that I think is cool and would be good on the show but I have to like the the guest. I have to like yep. the band. Like I've had so many people hit me up since the show has gained a little bit of notoriety and they're like, I've got this new artist and blah, blah, blah. And I listen to them and it's not that they're not good. I just don't really like it. Yeah. And, and so and, and is I, it authentic, right? If yeah, like I don't want my show to be, you know, I don't know, some kind of news outlet. Yeah. <laughs> like I still want it to be personal to me. Like, when I had Jim from Pennywise on the show, that dude's one of my heroes. Yeah. Like it, I was the biggest fanboy in the world and I loved having him on the show, but somebody in a band, like I'm not a big Slayer fan at all. Like I, I I've tried my whole life. I, I need a little bit of melody in my heavy music. Yeah. And you know, if, if some publicist hit me up and said, Hey, Carrie King wants to come on your show it's a 50 50 thing, man, because I, they, they don't, they don't need me. And I don't want to act like I'm interested in Carrie King from Slayer. I mean, and a lot of people out there are probably laughing at that and think that that's really stupid, but I, everyone that's been on the show, I've had some sort of relationship with, yep. or it, whether that be a personal relationship, a relationship with the publicist where I trust that they're sending me somebody, if I don't know them, that it's good. And I like, or a relationship where I was raised on their music. Right. 
Like it's, it's never been a thing. And this is something that me and guys like I'm good buddies with Dewey over at pure pleasure. Like we, we don't just want anybody on the show. And, and I hate the fact that that sounds like elitist, but I, I just, no, I think I don't that know. makes sense. Right. Like as a listener, you can, you can hear and you can feel when there's that kind of that relationship there and that sort of spark, not to mention you have some back, story some yeah. um, some history to kind of like bring into the conversation you're not just starting from zero yeah. um so there's that too right but as a listener you can you can feel that when there's that that kind of connection there whether it's yeah through knowing their music really well or it's a personal connection i mean you you kind of feel that as a listener so i i, I mean i i think that totally makes sense i just i mean when i started this podcast i didn't really think anybody would care I, I literally like, I really loved Shane from Silverstein's podcast, lead singer syndrome. Yep. I really, I love Dewey's show, pure pleasure. Yep. And those are two guys that kind of helped me out. I, I asked him when I was starting, like, what do I need to do? Like, how do I do this? Do I just, you know, how do you guys get guests? Is it just people, you know, like I was, yep. I was totally ignorant to all of it. And Shane and Dewey helped me out and gave me some pointers. And I don't know. I just, with my show, people have told me that they feel like they get to know me through the guests as well. And I really right. like that because there has been nobody on the show that I wouldn't like listen to their music or I didn't already listen to their music, you know? Right. So, I mean, and there's, there's been, a, of course, people like to make the joke that I'm a fanboy, And <laughs> I mean, I, sure. I, I, I retort back to them. I'm like, okay. So I had Lars from Rancid on. You're telling me that if you had somebody on your podcast that you've listened to since you were 14 years old, yeah, that you wouldn't be a fanboy. This yeah. is my one chance to sit and talk with Lars for an hour. Of course, I'm not just and and Lars. I'm not a journalist. Yeah. Like, I'm a fan of music. I, I yeah, know. and I mean that's your connection, right? Like that's yeah. and and I mean I think most artists like they love to hear that, right? They'd rather talk to somebody who gets it who understands where they're coming from yeah. than somebody who has no clue, right? You see those videos of like, I don't know, people interviewing like movie stars or whatever about their upcoming movie and they just kind of have no clue. And those interviews look so bad. They look so rigid, right? And, yeah. and so when there's that, that connection there, I mean, the, the artist likes it too. Well, and I've had a couple guys on the show that have never done a podcast before. And when I was trying to sell it to them, cause they were people, I, I won't name any names, but there's some rather, you know, well-known musicians that have been on my show that had never done it before. And when I was trying to, you know, sell it to them, I was like, listen, it's easy. I'm going to let you talk about yourself for an hour. Yep. And then you're going to go eat dinner. Like, like it's, <laughs> it's we're just, not we're just talking. Yeah. Cause so many, even though podcasting is a huge thing, people are still kind of, they don't know about it. Like I've had so many people, like I remember when uh, I went down, okay, so my ex-bass player from the Ataris, Brian, and his fiance, they work for, for Baroness. Brian is their monitor guy, and his okay. fiance, Victoria, is their tour manager. So I hit them up, and I said, hey, you guys are coming to Indianapolis. I really want to talk to someone in Baroness. I'm not, I don't care who it is. Just yeah. tell me who I can talk to. And they said, well, you have to go through management because they, they're with Q Prime, which is the same management that does Metallica. Like, it's a big deal, you yeah. know? So I hit up Q Prime, and they were cool with it. And uh, I just remember talking to this, this girl, at uh, this woman at Q Prime, and she's like, we're going to let you talk to Seb, their, their drummer, 
uh, how much time do you need? And I said, well, most of the podcasts are over an hour. And she's like, well, we can give you 10 minutes. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, no. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I, not going to work. It's not me sitting in a room asking about the new record. Like, I'm going to ask about the new record, but it's, it's a conversation. Yeah. And after I explained it to her, she said, well, we'll give you 25 minutes. And I said, okay. And I got said to talk for an hour and a half. Yeah. So I, I've, I've realized that if you do the in-person stuff or even you're doing the Zoom stuff or whatever, if you get them having a good time and they feel like it's not some stupid interview they have to do, right. the, the publicist isn't there. Right. <laughs> they'll just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I've, I've had a lot of luck with that. Uh, I just had Frank Turner on. Right. And that the day that I was doing the interview with Frank Turner, he had like 18 interviews and I was smack dab oh. in the middle. And so he was like, dude, I've only got like X amount of time. And we got about 30, 35 minutes in and he goes, Hey man, you know, before we go any further, I've got an interview coming up in like five minutes. And then he talked for like another 20 yeah. And he told me that he was having so much fun. He wanted to come back. And I didn't know Frank prior. Like yeah. I got that through a publicist and I've talked to Frank since then. And he wants to come back. And he told me that he had a blast on my show and it just felt like two guys catching up. And that's what I want it to feel yeah. like. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and like I said, I mean, you can feel that, right? Like that's when there's that chemistry there, you can feel that it's the same about listening to a, a band with that chemistry, right? You yeah. feel that come through on, on the record and it's not something tangible that you can really describe. It's just people are having a good time. And on, on my show too, like I, I, I don't know. I never wanted it to, to be just me say, Hey, what's up? This is Chris. Here's my interview. I like doing stuff that makes it feel inclusive. Like I really want the people that listen to the show to feel like it's their show too. Yep. Like even you calling in and doing the voicemail for last week. Yeah. I, I love that because it feels, it feels like you're a part of it. And like when I post something on the Facebook group and I'm like, who's, you know, your, your Mount Rushmore of punk vocalists and like, like yeah. stuff like that. I, I've always from day one, if I had anybody that cared at all, I wanted them to feel like they're a part of it. And a lot of the times I do, you know, I catch a lot of shit from some people cause I post on Reddit to check out the stuff. <laughs> That's probably the oh, least place you should post. <laughs> But that's the one place where people are like, interview starts at 22 minutes in, blah, blah, blah. People say they hate the, the segments and everything. But then again, I get people that hit me up all the time that say they love them and they found new bands because of my yeah. sponsors that sponsor yeah. the episodes. So that's my personality and that's how my show is going to be. Like, if you don't like it, you can listen to somebody else's that just goes right to the interview. I want mine to feel almost like one of those old radio shows where like they did fun stuff you know? Yeah, like, for sure. They come to the show to listen to the artist, but maybe they'll learn something or maybe, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I want it to be more of a thing and not just, here's an interview I did with somebody, you know? Well, and I think that's how, I mean, regardless of kind of how people feel about it, the listeners are an important part, right? Without the listeners, yeah. I mean, sure. It's a labor of love and it's like, it's fun to do, but if nobody's listening, you know, there, there's got to be something missing. So yeah. um, like, I think when the listeners are engaged, that's what's fun. And as a listener of your podcast, I mean, I, that's what I love about it too. Like, man, you post the episode and then you're on Facebook kind of chatting about it. And then if there's, yeah, there's questions or, you know, people want to know stuff, you can kind of, you know, like interact and, and then it does feel like your show. It's like, oh man, he, he is listening to my feedback. Right. Well, and that's, that's the thing. Like, 
you know, not naming any names, but there are guys that I know that do podcasts that kind of deal that off to somebody else. Like, you know, so-and-so runs the Facebook and -and so-and-so runs the Instagram. It's like, man, until I have like 8 million people on my Instagram, (laughs) there's no reason that I can't write back to everybody. There's no reason that I can't do it myself. Why would I pay somebody when I'm not even making money on the podcast? Right. I mean, people all the time, I don't know. There's a thing like fake it till you make it or whatever. Like, man, I want to talk to the people. I, it blows my mind that people even give a shit. Like I understand coming and listening to who, whatever guest I have, but like when my dog passed away last month, I had people emailing me and calling me and saying stuff like, like they care about me. And that, that yeah. makes me feel like I'm a part of a community. And so like when I missed, I missed a week of the podcast when I was on vacation, it was the first week that I'd missed in almost two years. I felt very weird <laughs> not doing it. And I had people hitting me up going, where's the new episode? Where's the new episode? Like that makes me feel like I am a part of something. It's almost like a family and like you calling in and doing like, you know, Hey, what album changed your life or this or that? Or when did you meet somebody that was on the show? Every week I sit before I do everything and I'm like, what can I do this week to get people involved? Yep. I, I kind of related a little bit to, I'm not the hugest Jimmy Fallon fan, but I tend to watch his show quite a bit. Yep. And I, I really have always liked the fact that he's very like viewer content related. Yep. Like he, he does the hashtags on the Twitter stuff. He does like there's always something that brings the people that like his show into the show. So then they feel like they're a part of it. There's a lot of podcasts I listen to that do nothing like that. And I love it, but I don't feel like I don't feel as invested. Right. You know? Yeah. If you, if you miss the next five episodes of that podcast, you might not, yeah, you might not care. And, and that's fine. Right. Some, some, I'm the same way. Some podcasts I I'll listen to every fifth or 10th or whatever episode, because I know, I know the quality is going to be good. I know the content is going to be good, but I'm not as invested in, in the community or in, in that, you know, podcaster, but the ones like yours, and and there's a few other ones as well that I listen to. I mean, I like that engagement you get. And, um, you know, I think that's a a kind of a special part of the experience, right? Is listening to it and feeling like not someone is just talking to you, but it's kind of your, your buddy talking to you, you know, your friend kind of, you know, sharing a new band that they love or whatever, it's, it carries more weight than just some stranger. Well, and one thing that I always do too, and I've gotten a lot of guests this way, like every couple months I'll do a post on Instagram, like who should I have on the show? Make sure to tag them in the comments. Yeah. And some people are like, Pete Wentz. I'm like, ah, oh, Pete's probably not going to be on my show. Maybe. I mean, it's not like he's out of reach, but he doesn't need to be on my show. Right. But like I've gotten a lot and I've actually found out about a lot of bands that I wasn't really familiar with. And a lot of like Scott Radinsky from Poli. Like I've been a Poli fan my whole life. And I love the whole idea that not only is he in a punk band and he's a singer, but he's in professional baseball and like this whole thing. And when I did that probably last year sometime, 20 people said Scott Radinsky and they tagged Poli in it. And like three days later, I got an email from Scott going, Hey, when are we doing this podcast? <laughs> like, and that blew my mind. Cause I didn't even yeah. know how to get a hold of him. He didn't have a publicist or anything. Like it yeah. was just all from, from, uh, from, fa- from Facebook and Instagram. And even like, uh, what was it? 
I just got done doing an interview with Ben Gillies from Silverchair, which I'm a huge oh, Silverchair fan. And he's kind of making the rounds right now. Like he did Dewey's show. He's done a couple other shows, but I, he told me he would do my show like a year ago, but it just never happened until his new yeah. record comes out, of course, cause he's trying to promote. Right. But, but uh, the way that that all happened was, is that I posted a comment on something he put on Instagram. He liked it. And then all these people that listen to my show hit him up and said, dude, do his <laughs> show, do on. his show. Yeah. Do his show. <laughs> and so finally he did my show and like, it's not that special cause he did a lot of shows, but he said mine was at the top of the list because of all the people bugging him to do my show. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's cool to have, it's almost like a team, you know, like I, I get to talk to people that I grew up listening to and I have the most fun in the world sitting in my little studio and, and just, you know, I have my two pages of notes and all my stuff. Cause I prepare like crazy. Yeah. I, some people just, it's a, it's a natural conversation. Like, man, I, I gotta, if there's a lull in the conversation, I go crazy. So yeah. it has to be, it has to flow correctly, but I want it to be, I want it to be like, you know, I know what's going on. If someone's on the show that I don't know a lot about, I'll sit for three hours on, on the internet and write yeah. down as much as I can. So I, I want to know about their career and I want to lead them in the way that they would need to talk about it. So I put, man, there's probably eight or nine hours worth of work in each episode. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of people tell me I'm crazy, <laughs> but I want it to sound good. I want it to, I want the content to be worth something. Yeah. And I care so much about this podcast and to have people out there that listen, that kind of, I feel like they're on the team with me. That's the best thing in the world, man. I, I could not do this and there, there would be no way I could do this if not for people that check this out because they're the coolest people in the world, like yourself, man, being a part of it. It helps me. It, it makes it feel, I don't know. I don't want it to feel like some fake thing. Like, right. And I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not saying I listen to fake podcasts. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but, I want this to be, if you like punk rock or any kind of underground music, I want you to be able to feel like this is like your home, man. Like, yeah, just hang out with me for an hour. And that's it. You know? Yeah. And that, and that is what it feels like for sure. And, and yeah, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm so excited to kind of be talking to you today and have you on the rad dad show. We've, I don't know how long we've been talking now. We kind of <laughs> got down a, a rabbit hole of, of, well, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like I always on my show, I don't know if people really know how it works, but so the first thing I do when they come on is I say, okay, so we're recording. I get a little check on their voice. Yeah. I'm like, you know, do a promo for your show. So they go, Hey, this is so-and-so. And you're listening to that one time on tour. And then I'm like, okay, well, when you're ready, I'll do my little fake intro and we'll go. Yeah. <laughs> and if you listen to the episodes, normally we've talked for like 20 minutes before I start. So I'll say, and I'm on the line with blah, blah, blah. And then we go, and Hey, before when we were chatting, you talked about, yeah. So it's all, that's the only fake part of the show. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, th that's always my struggle too, is you have this like preamble and then you have to like, okay, let's, let's like bring it back here. Let's, yeah. let's get started for real. Yeah. And I do, I do like podcasts like, like Dewey from Pure Pleasure. A lot of the time when he starts the interview, you can tell they've been talking. Like there's yeah. no like, Hey, I'm on the phone with, but I always just like to have a clear beginning and a yeah. clear end and for editing purposes that makes it a little bit easier as well for sure yeah for sure i'm the same way so with that being said we should maybe we should do the the fake intro right now okay let's do the fake intro right yeah now. so chris i'm so happy to have you on the show 
on the Rad Dad Show. Um, I'm here with Chris Swinney uh, from many things. So um, <laughs> that one time on tour podcast, uh, yes. the Ataris, and uh, you've got lots of other things going on. I follow you on social media. So um, a new music studio. Um, yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe tell us a little bit about that and, and how people might, might know you. Okay. Well, uh, I am f- almost 42 years old. Uh, I'm getting up there. I I've been playing music my entire life. I started playing guitar when I was like seven and uh, I studied it in high school and college. And I've, you know, music theory has been my life. It's my biggest thing in the world. You might know me from the podcast. Uh, that one time on tour, I started about three years ago. I have punk rock musicians and metal guys and hardcore ska, whatever, all the underground stuff's on my show. Uh, I also have played in many, many bands. I was in a band called Brazil, which was on Fearless Records. I played bass for a while in a band called Underminded, which was on Kung Fu Records. I uh, was in probably the biggest thing that I did. I was the lead guitarist backing vocals for the Ataris for a while. And that sounds impressive until you go to Wikipedia and you find out that I was like the fifth guitarist and there was like 10 (laughs) after me. Because that's one thing people say all the time. Like, oh, this guy's using the Atari's name to get people to listen to his show. I'm like, yeah, I am. And the 15 other guitarists would probably do the same thing. You know? Yeah. Well, you were, but you were in the Atari's for quite a while though, right? Like you were in for like five years or something? I was or how in there for, for a few years. I mean, like it was a pretty big part of my life. And like, I've always known Chris Rowe, the singer, like we're yeah. from opposite towns like you could drive 10 minutes from my town and that's where he's from yeah and my 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 early bands i was in a band called chronic chaos from high school like that was my first band we opened for the ataris and and there was just always kind of this this through line like we always had this connection and um he was coming back to indiana from living in, in california and the ataris were kind of on this downswing and he didn't really have a band and he, at that point, I was in a band called the Widow Jenkins with my buddy, Joel, who used to be in Emory. Okay. We were more of like a metal kind of thing. I talked Joel into when he quit Emory or got kicked out or whatever. I talked him into moving to Indiana to be my sister's roommate so we could start a band. Oh, and, nice. And we got the band going and we had a, a showcase with Victory Records. And the day before we were supposed to go to Chicago for Victory, our singer quit. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, so basically we were trying to find a singer for that band. And and I was, I knew that Chris Rowe had just moved back to Indiana and I was like, Hey man, I don't know what's going on with the Ataris, but you know, this band that we've got, I'm going to send you this demo and tell me if you like it. And he's like, Oh, I really like that demo. It's, it's heavy, but I like it. And I said, well, do you want to sing? Because we don't have a singer. And on the phone that day, Chris was like, well, I don't really think I want to do that, but I'm, I'm trying to get the Ataris back to where they were. So do you want to play guitar? And of course I'm like, well, hell yeah, dude, I'll play yeah. guitar on the Ataris. And he's like, well, the only issue is we don't have a bass player or a drummer. And I'm like, well, I have a bass player and a drummer. So basically three, like a third of, of uh, my old band that was going to get yeah. signed to victory jumped into the Ataris and the other band kind of went away. And two weeks later, we were in Vegas in front of 7,000 people. So it was kind of, well, it was kind of a whirlwind. And, and I was in that band for quite a while. And uh, the other guys were in the band for a little bit longer than me. I, at the time, I was like going through a divorce and, and had a bunch of stuff going on. And, and it just, it got to the point where we were gone so much. And I had so much at home I needed to take care of. And I, 
took a leave of absence at the beginning and my stepbrother Aaron took over for me. And then, uh, I just kind of never went back. And then Chris moved to Arizona and got different people and like everybody's still cool. There was no bad blood or anything. It just, it kind of ran its course, you know? And I did a few other tours after that with a couple of different bands. And, uh, then I ended up taking this big job in Gulf Shores, Alabama. You, some people might know me from this. I don't know. I, uh, there's a thing called the hangout music fest, which is down on, down on the beach in Alabama. And it's like, we had Stevie Wonder, we had Tom Petty, oh. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, like whoever, they played it. It's 50,000 people on the beach. I became the, the A&R guy for that festival. Okay. And then I was actually the talent booker. They have a venue on the beach that does shows year round. And I became the talent booker for that as well as working for the festival. And uh, yeah, that's where I kind of quit touring. Okay. It was, when I, was when I got that. And then I had found my wife and had some kids and moved back to Indiana cause it's super cheap. <laughs> so, and that's so you, my, that's my life in a nutshell. But yeah, you probably, if people know me, it's from the Ataris or the podcast probably. And so you're a dad. I am a, I'm a dad. I try to be a rad dad. Yeah. Okay. And how many kids do you have? I have two. My son Silas is four and my daughter Indy is almost three. She'll be three next month. Okay. So I mean, you're working hard as a dad with a four-year-old and a three-year-old. I'm working very hard and I've got a lot of irons in the fire. My, my <laughs> life, even though there's a pandemic, is pretty hectic right now. Yeah. I mean, at a baseline with a four-year-old, like your life is hectic. That it's is crazy. just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's insane. Like, yeah. Anything else aside, it's still hectic with a four-year-old. And I mean, yeah. you, yeah, two kids around that same age. Well, and I don't know about you or any of the people out there listening, but I didn't have my first child till I was 37. Okay. So I waited quite a while and uh, it's a young guy's game, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you waited until you already had the back pain before you had to, you know, rock the baby and lift them out of the crib and all that stuff. Oh yeah. It's uh, and my wife and I, we've contemplated maybe having another, but there are things daily that make us go, nah, we're good. Yeah, we'll, we'll just keep going, rolling with the two that we've got. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, um, so you had kids um, once you were back in Indianapolis. We actually, um, my wife and I. It's man, this is a really weird story. I met my wife while I was playing in a reggae band on the weekends. Okay, and uh, we, I a few months later, whenever it was, I don't know the timeline, but like I asked her to marry me. And then like a week later, found out we were pregnant. And um, what happened was, is that during that whole situation, I got a job offer to be a consultant for the entertainment department at Margaritaville in Jamaica. Oh. So what happened was, is that these guys wanted me to come down there. It was like a year project to fix their entertainment department all over the island. And uh, I was like, well, my wife's pregnant you know, we can't really, I don't want to have my kid in Jamaica, even though it would be cool to have like dual citizenship. I don't want to, I don't know if I trust the hospitals in Jamaica, you know? And so they were like, okay, well we can wait until you have your son a month after he's born. You guys need to be down here. So my son was born. It was like three days after he got out of the hospital, we went and got his passport, which is, they said he was the youngest kid ever to get his passport at the place (laughs) where we went. And uh, a month after he was born, we were on a plane to Jamaica. Wow. 
and we lived there for, it was supposed to be a year contract. We were there for about five, six months, I think. And I, and then we came back to Alabama. So we lived in Montego Bay, Jamaica for those six months. And then we ended up back in Jamaica or back in Alabama. And, uh, I was working at like marketing at a computer store and just like jobs that I didn't really care about. Yeah. And one day my wife's just like, Hey, let's go back to Indiana. Cause you can teach guitar there. Cause I have a, a store that I used to teach at here in Indiana. And a couple of weeks later we were here and we've been here ever since. And that was back in 2017. So, okay, nice. Yeah. So since that point in time, you've been kind of teaching guitar. Is that kind yeah. of been the, the day job? That's the day job. It's uh, anything with strings. I've got ukulele students, mandolin, banjo, bass, I do uh, some songwriting lessons for some like some high school kids. And uh, I also do a, we do it two or three times a year. It's a music workshop called rock and roll summer camp, even though we do it year round. (laughs) And uh, we have kids that come and we put bands together and we have a big concert for their parents. And normally it's like 30 or 40 kids come to the, to the camp. Cool. Oh, that sounds amazing. So it's everything that I've ever done work related, except for just a couple of shit jobs has always been something to do with entertainment or music. So, yeah. so you, you kind of um, mentioned this before that you consider yourself a rad dad. So wh- what's a rad dad? How would you define that? <laughs> I think, I mean, this is how I feel. And I don't know if people of every generation feel this way, but I still feel like I'm, 17 like i i don't feel like i have a 17 year old's health (laughs) (laughs) but i I still feel like you know i like the same bands i still kind of dress the same as i did in high school like i when my kid says shit or something i laugh if my first response is to laugh and not go don't say that like i'm no i should tell him not to say those words but i just i feel like maybe a rad dad is someone who is someone that has the responsibility and they take it seriously and they are a father first and foremost, but they also like to have fun and cut up and remember what it was like to be young and not be such a hard ass. Like a lot of people that I see with their kids and like, I play with my kids all the time and me and my son, we listen to Metallica and no effects and everything when we're going to sleep. And, and I just, I think a rad dad is someone that maybe, being a parent is tough and you should be a parent first and foremost, and you have a responsibility to be a parent, but you can also have a good time and not be so uptight. Maybe that's what a rad dad is. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, walking that line, walking that line between being fun and also disciplining your children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of like have to, you know, teach them the right way to act or whatever and, yeah. and you know, find ways to, yeah, I don't know if it is it is it discipline or is it like yeah, I educate or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's walking that line, that's a tough thing. It's really tough, man, because I mean my wife all the time, like my son will say something and I'll find it hilarious. And she looks at me like, if you laugh at that, he's gonna keep doing it. Now, I know, but it's so funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> he said the F word. Like yeah. it's yeah, kind we, of funny. He shouldn't say it, but it's funny, you know. Yeah, we have those conversations too, right? Like, just <laughs> you can't help but think it's funny, right? Um, but I mean, you have to. When a four-year-old says "fuck," it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Especially if they say it in front of like you know their grandparents or something. Yeah. It's yeah. Especially. <laughs> um, so, like, what are the most rewarding aspects of being a dad to you? 
I mean, I, my biggest thing is that it's kind of the unconditional love thing. Like even when my kid is having a tantrum and I just, I can't take it and it's, Oh man, it's horrible. I still love him. And when my son first came out, you know, the day he was born, I never in my life and, and people talk about this all the time and I never understood it. But as soon as you see that baby, it's over. Yeah. Like, and, and people that don't feel that I don't understand that because I know there's people out there that, you know, don't take care of their kids and they're not around their kids. Like I'll tell you straight up, as soon as I saw my son touring was over. Yeah. Like, and, and I respect anybody that can still go out there and play music and do whatever, but I can't do it. Like <clears throat> I got to be here for my kids. There's only been a handful of days that I haven't been around my kid since they were born. Like I went on a small trip with, to take my mom out to visit some family on the West coast. And that was it. Like yeah. I've been, I used to, when my son was first born and I was still playing on the weekends with that band, We'd, we'd drive to Mississippi or somewhere and we'd get done playing at four in the morning. I would drive all the way back and get home at sunrise just so I was there when he woke up. Yeah. Like the most re rewarding thing to me is just having these little things that you created that you love more than your own self and seeing them grow up and seeing them, their personalities forming and things that they get into. Like my son, <laughs> My son really likes trap music. Okay. <laughs> I don't like, I let him listen to NoFX and Metallica and Alice in Chains and whatever. And he loves all that, but we'll be in the car and something will come on. That's like a trap song. Cause sometimes yep. we just let a playlist go or whatever. And he loves it. And he picks up on stuff. Like he also really loves uh, old town road, which I think everybody in the world, even if you don't like it, you kind of like it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So it's cool to see, to see them start to have their own things that maybe yeah. aren't your, maybe aren't your things, you know, like I was lucky enough that my dad loved Sabbath and Zeppelin and Hendrix and, and let me listen to music that kind of led me down a path to find other cool, heavy music that I liked. Yeah. I hope that my kids kind of dig what I listen to, but it's also cool to see them find their own identity. And I love that. But the unconditional love thing is, I mean, I love my parents. I love my sister. I've loved all my pets and my wife and everything. But when I saw those kids, everything changed. So that to, for me, that feeling, and if I would have never had kids, never knowing that feeling, I think that's the best thing for me. Yeah. I, I have yet to sort of meet someone or talk to somebody who can really describe what that feeling is. But I think it's, it's, a common... it's, it's fucking weird, man. Like yeah. I used to tell my mom, my mom's like, you know, you're never going to have kids. Cause I remember I was 37 when I had my first kid. Yeah. So I would talk to my mom about it and she wanted grandkids so bad. And she's like, you don't know what you're missing. And I'm like, well, that's just it. If I never know, I'll never know. Yeah. And then as soon as I had that first kid, I'm like, mom, you were super right. <laughs> <laughs> and now I understand. And I'm glad that I did it finally, you know? Yeah. Moms know. Hey, Oh, they know. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you had kids a little bit older. Um, yeah. Did you have any fears about having kids? I, I will say that uh, when it finally happened, I, don't, I didn't think I would, there's no fear of like having the kid or taking care of the kid. The fear for me was 
okay, so I'm going to be like in my 60s when this kid graduates high school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like Mick Jagger, you know, like having a kid when you're 75 or whatever. But uh, I wouldn't say that there was a, a lot of fear for that. I think the fear for me, not really understanding that I wouldn't really care, but I losing your freedom, losing a piece of yourself, yeah. because I think that's something that people don't really talk about. But yeah. it, it, it is something that people, you know, I've always been the guy in a band. Yeah. That's been my identity since I was 15. Yeah. So if I'm not a guy in a band, what am I? Yeah. That's, that was the scariest thing ever. And, and it's not like the kids force you to not be in a band. I could go be in a band if I want, but it's like, I didn't realize having the kid, I would care so much about the kid that everything else would become secondary anyway. So yeah. not really, not really fears about having the kid, but I was scared of like losing a piece of myself, losing my identity because when you've never had children and you're in your late thirties and your whole life has been centered around one thing. Yeah then it's really, it's scary. It really is scary. And, and I think, you know, yeah, losing your identity, I think that's, everybody sort of worries about that. And, you know, everybody's a little bit different in terms of how much of their identity potentially they're sort of, you know, losing or, or worried about losing, right? For you, I mean, yeah. you know, you, it sounds like you kind of viewed, you know, kind of touring life as incompatible. Um, and some, some yeah. people can, can make it work obviously, but, um, you know, in their way, but for you, it was, it was incompatible. So how do you view yourself now moving forward? Right. Like as, as a person, so for sure, you're going to worry about that. Lots yeah. of, lots of people do, right. They, maybe they partied a lot or, you know, whatever it is and they don't want to give that up. So that's a struggle I think for not just dads, but you know, all parents about like, what, who am I now, now that I'm a parent? Like, am See, I, I cool anymore? Like, that's a question <laughs> I, I kind of, I like to joke with my wife about like, I, am I not cool anymore now that I have a kid? Like, <laughs> I was, I tell you, man, like, like I, we've talked about, I was 37. So I'm older, even though I was freaked out about losing my identity and everything. I was, I'm also a person that I like taking chances and I don't, and nine times out of 10, they work out bands that I've been in that put out records. Oh, people liked it. Like nine times out of 10, if I like just throw caution to the wind and do something, it works. And like my stepdad makes fun of me all the time. He's like, if you want something to be good, let Chris touch it. He's got the Midas touch, blah, blah, blah. And I don't, and I tell him all the time, it's like, dude, I still work my ass off. It's like any, any success, any minuscule amount of success I've ever had in any avenue of my life. It's because I've worked at it, you know? And so when it was, Hey, let's have kids. Like we didn't say, let's have kids. It was, it was a surprise. <laughs> we'll say that, but it was also like, hell yeah. I've always wanted to be a dad. Fuck this man. Let's do it. Like I, I had some reservations, but I also thought that this might be the coolest thing I ever do in my entire life. So why not do it? You know, I think a lot of people maybe don't have that attitude when it comes to anything. They, they get scared of a lot of stuff. And I've, I've always, I've always kind of, been the guy and this is from henry rollins kind of he has like this quote yeah. i'm not sure what the quote is i'll paraphrase it but he's like you know if, if someone asks you to do something and you're scared and you think you should say no say yes <laughs> like i back in the day like going on tour with different bands like hey do you know how to guitar tech yes and then figuring it out when i yeah. got on the road it's not that i knew how to 
you know, fix bridges or whatever. But when I got out on the road, I figured out how to do it. It's always say yes. Like, have you sold merch before? Yes. You know how to do books? Yes. No, I didn't know how to do that, but I went (laughs) out and did it and I figured it out. And that led to other relationships. I've just always been from that standpoint, tours, you know, anything, kids, whatever. Are you think you should say no, just say yes. And hopefully it'll be a cool thing. So, yeah, you know, some, some, some people answer that question about like having fears um, about becoming a dad with like the very practical stuff. Like, yeah, like, you know, I've never been around babies. I don't know how to change a diaper, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah, like you're kind of describing to me that like, that didn't really matter. Like I can no, figure I, that I, out. I was like, man, if I can rewire an EMG pickup uh, <laughs> on, on my guitar yeah. with a soldering iron and no skill whatsoever or knowledge, I can change a diaper. Yeah. Like I, that stuff never practical stuff like that. I knew I could figure it out. So that didn't even enter the picture. It was all of the self image stuff. You know? Yeah. 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 For sure. You know yeah. who you are yeah person and and how you're gonna you know with the various things you have going on like right at that time you're you know kind of signed on to do this thing in jamaica like and how that that was scary because it was like and especially like my in-laws and my parents they're like so you just had a baby and now you guys are going to move to a third world country for a year yeah and i'm like oh yeah it'll be totally cool and my mom's like you know why are you doing this? I'm like, cause they asked me and I was scared. So I said, yes, <laughs> that's, that's Just the only thing. Yeah. 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 That not even, like a, not even a gut. It's like, if my gut says you shouldn't do it, I normally do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess I want to get back to that a little bit. Like, what was that like, like raising a newborn in another country? Like, you know, regardless of it being, I mean, Jamaica's cool place, right? Very unique. Yeah. Um, like what, what was that like sort of like getting your bearings as a parent and not in your comfort zone? Cause so many people are like, yeah, we got the nursery and we got the grandparents around and we've got like all this support. Well, you would have been down there on your own. It, it was, it was different because like I said, we only had a month of being parents before we went. Yeah. So that first month he was still getting up in the middle of the night. Nobody was sleeping. You know, it was the whole, the whole thing that happens when you're a new dad. And then we finally got down there and it was, we had a nice condo in like this expat kind of area. Everybody was from like Ireland or or Britain or wherever. So we felt safe. It was nice, like fenced in, like gated community. And so that was fine, but it was the whole fact of, yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out how to take care of this little baby. And I'm going to work for like 12 hours a day, driving to Kingston or driving to Negril all over the Island, doing all this stuff. I wasn't familiar with learning how to drive on the other side of the road. Oh man. Which I had done a couple of times, like in Europe, like over in England and places in South Africa, but I had never done it long period of time and really got used to it. And there's no street signs in Jamaica. And right. there, I don't think there's any laws in Jamaica either, as far <laughs> as driving, but it was, uh, it was a unique thing. My mom went down with us for the first two weeks to kind of help us get settled. And I would go to work because I like two days in, I was going to work. So like she was there with my wife taking care of my, my, my son. And, and yeah, it was, it was a unique thing, but I also, I tell people this all the time. I had nothing to base it off of. Like I didn't know what the normal thing was because it was my first kid. Yeah. So there, there was no like, oh, this is weird. The last kid, we didn't have to do this because we weren't in a third world country. Yeah, It was just kind of like learning how to do it. 
I will say diapers in Jamaica are cheap, which was a really good thing. Nice. They had like this, uh, it was actually a, a diaper that was made in Jamaica. I can't remember exactly the name of it, but super, super cheap. And they were way better than Pampers or anything else. Oh, awesome. Um, it was, it was a unique experience to say the least. We would, uh, one of the things that I really remember is that they kind of have these rolling blackouts down there because it's an island. Like even if it's not storming, like sometimes the power just goes out for eight hours. Okay. And of course not at the resorts because they have generators. Because if you pay them a bunch of money right. to go there on vacation, you don't want to have no power. But where we lived on the grid, sometimes yeah. you just lose power. And so I remember because it was so hot, we would uh, we would take Silas and go out to my car that they they gave me like a little Nissan like van or whatever. And we would go out there and we would listen to the Beatles and like turn the air conditioning on and sit there for like five hours till the power came back on. Nice. And just stuff like that. Like it was, it was the same as being anywhere. Like we bathed him and yeah. fed him and it, I found he was on, on for me, he was a formula fed baby. So that was the weird thing. We had to actually go to a couple different stores to find the formula that he needed. Yeah. It was like from the States, like a, a kind that he was used to because you don't want to give a baby like eight different kinds of formula. They'll get sick or whatever. Yeah, so, sure. so that was kind of a unique experience going to different grocery stores and like, Hey, do you have this? And they're like, no, <laughs> but other than that, it was fairly normal. I would think, I mean, I don't know. We, we talk, do we tell him now? We're like, Hey, when you were a baby, you lived in Jamaica. And he was telling my, my mom the other day, he's like, I lived in George Maka. <laughs> he calls it George Maka. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you guys kind of had an, uh, uh, unique experience, right? When, when yeah. your son was born, um, you've talked a little bit now, I touched on it a couple times about, um, like the influence of your parents, yeah. on you. And, and so I want to ask specifically about your dad. You mentioned he, you know, probably was a, a source of influence in terms of what kind of music you got into. Right. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with your dad and, and maybe how that's affected you as a, a parent as well. Yeah. My dad. Um, well, first off um, my dad back in 2005, my dad was in a car accident and we lost oh, my dad, oh, but, uh, but no, it's, it's been a long time. And thank you very much. I appreciate that. He, he was my best friend. Um, that's where I think when, whenever I hear rad dad, I think a lot about my dad Yeah, because, uh, I don't know. My dad almost ruined me with, with confidence <laughs> because my dad would say, you know, if you've got an idea, do it. Like, if, you know, just go do it. If you've got an idea, nobody's going to do it for you. He, he kind of preached that DIY thing without even knowing that that's what he was doing. And my, my dad in high school was a state ranked catcher for his baseball team. Okay. And he, even on his, his senior year, he even had like scouts from the Cubs and different farm teams coming out and watching him play his senior year. And he had this opportunity when he was going to college that he could play like full ride baseball scholarship or full ride band scholarship. And he chose to do band instead of baseball. Oh, wow. He was, he was a tenor saxophone player. Okay. And uh, he ended up even becoming the drum major for the Indiana State University marching band. Like he, no way. Big, big deal in music, not like playing mute, like, like rock and stuff, but like really, really good musician in his own right, but very like classically taught like band stuff, you know? Yeah. And my dad always told me, he's like, you know, if you've got an idea or you've got an opportunity, 
you need to just do it because he said, I could have been, you know, playing for the Cubs, but instead I'm a quality engineer at a rubber factory. <laughs> he worked at a place where they made like weather stripping for cars. Okay. And he, he did well for himself, but he always kind of had that regret that it scared him to try the baseball route. Yep. So he went for the easier route where he still got to go to college, but it was for band instead of sports. And I think that always kind of bugged him that he thought he had a, a chance to maybe do something bigger. And so he kind of ruined me because he would even tell me stuff like, you know, step on other people before they step on you. You're the best person in the world. You know, do they know who you are? Like he would do this stuff that was kind of funny, but it was also kind of, I think like fucking me up a little bit. (laughs) And, and I don't know, he was, he was so supportive of anything. Like I remember I started my first band in high school, that band chronic chaos that I talked about. We, uh, we went and saw Metallica when I was probably like 14 or 15. And my dad's like, what are those amps on the stage that have like the diamond cut? Like they look like Chrome. I said, Oh, those are Mesa boogies. And he's like, okay, cool. And for my, like the next year for my birthday, like he got me one of those amps. No way. And he was like, if they're the best Metallica use them, my son's going to use them. And like, and I wasn't even good. I didn't know what the, I didn't know what I was doing, man. I was still a new guitar player. Really? But he always did that kind of stuff. And from influencing me with his music, I in turn kind of influenced him. Cause when I got into punk rock, like my dad started kind of digging it. We'd be in the car and he'd be listening to it. And I remember my dad came home one day and he had like the new Pennywise, whatever the record was. And I think it was full circle back in like 96 or 97. And I was like, dude, why did you buy this? He's like, it's awesome. You let me listen to their other album the other day in the car. So like he was, he was pretty cool. He, he got into a lot of the same stuff that I was into. He never, if I had some crazy idea, he'd let me do it. Yeah. Like the first time my band went on tour, it was like the summer after junior year or whatever. We had these shows booked up in, in Vermont and I had no idea how we were going to get there. We didn't have a vehicle or anything. We had two months to figure it out. Yeah. And I told my dad and my dad's like, well, that's the same like weekend around the time my, your mom and I are having our anniversary. He goes, why don't we just get your grandma's van and we'll go up there and say it's an anniversary trip. So <laughs> me, me and the other three guys and my, my, my younger sister and my mom and dad all got in the van and drove 17 hours so we could play three shows. And that was my first tour. That's and so awesome. my mom and dad's like, whatever, 20th anniversary, whatever the hell it was, was, he used that as an excuse so we could go on a, like a small tour for the first time. So yeah, he was the best ever at being supportive and he was kind of like my best friend as far as discipline. He wasn't the best at that. So that's where like, I say like rad dads, they have to walk that line because I love my kid. I want to be my kid's best friend, but I'm also his dad. Yep. I will say the only thing negative I can even say about my dad is that he never wanted to be the bad guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like my my mom would yell at me and ground me or whatever, but it was always my dad would be like, when she goes to sleep, we'll go get a pizza. You know, he was always just like, he wanted to be my buddy. And sometimes that maybe didn't work, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a, (laughs) that is a, I mean, we talk about that walking that line. That's a hard thing to do. Right. Like even in my relationship with my, wife and and my kids like you know she she sometimes says like yeah you're you're like the good cop and i have to be the bad cop and and yeah. you know that 
sounds like that's kind of how it was and uh, with your parents as well. Um, but you, you know, you, it's funny, you talk about um, like how he maybe had this big regret in his life about not kind of chasing his dream of playing baseball. Um, and so because of that was kind of always telling you to just go after your dreams. Like, do you think, yeah. do you think, like, are you making that same connection that I'm making that, um, you know, you're saying when I have a fear of doing something, like I just need to go for it. Um, I, I think, I think that's, that's a lot of his influence. Yeah. I think that a lot of the stuff that I've done in my life, like I was saying, as far as going on tour and figuring it out or being scared of having kids and just fuck it, yeah. let's do it. Or even the podcast, like, I didn't think that I'd be talking to you about this. I didn't think that anybody would care, you know, but I was, I had an interest and it scared me and everything said I shouldn't do it. And then I've got that thing in the back of my head, my dad saying, if you're scared, you should do it. Cause I was scared and I didn't do it. So I think it's completely connected. And I, I, that's one, the one other thing that freaks me out about being a dad is fucking up mm -hmm. because I know that a lot of how I am as a person and how I look at the world stems a lot from my dad because you're supposedly like, you know, if you're, if you're a male, you're male in your life, your whatever is your most powerful role model. If you're female, so-and-so, you know, so I know that my dad had a huge impact on my life on how I view the world and, and different ways that I am. And, I feel that that's going to be the same way for my son. And I don't want, I'm not, my dad did a great job. I, I, my childhood was wonderful. Right. Everything. He didn't like to discipline, but, but I mean, he was still a good dude. I just want to make sure that I don't mess my kid up. That's what scares me, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's what, what freaks every parent out. Right. It's just yeah. like that thought that, that you might screw them up and that, you know, something that you did might cause them harm down the yeah. road, even in the short term, you know, like I, I even think about like the times when I like, fuck you, like forget to do something for your kid or you, oh, man, I, I, you yell at them, you get mad, you yell at them or yeah. whatever. Like that feeling of like letting them down is like the most powerful feeling. Yeah. Right? It's, it's the worst. And so it's, it's such a good um, influencer to, to try and do the right thing, I guess. Well, like I'll, I'll yell at my kid and get upset for some dumb shit that he does. And then I'll feel so bad. Like, like right after it happens that yeah. I'll say, I'll say, Hey, do you want to go in the toy room and play? And we'll be in there for like two hours because I feel so bad. I want to try to make up for being an asshole to my yeah. kid. I don't know. Yeah, it's so, I mean, yeah, that's, it's so tough to keep that in control, right? You just you yeah. get stressed about whatever and you take it out on your kid and it's like, oh man, like this innocent little human, like they, they don't yeah. deserve this. Or like, I feel like sometimes he'll do something. I'm like, why did you do that? You know, you shouldn't do that. And then I'm like, he's four years old. Like he doesn't know yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You're like, you're, you're trying to treat them like they're, yeah, 20 years old or whatever. Yeah, I'm like pushing like adult time. You should yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pushing like adult ideals and everything. Like you should know that you, why did you put your hand in that hot water? Like he doesn't yeah. know what he's doing. Yeah. But yeah, I feel bad sometimes because I just feel, I don't know. I get impatient sometimes. That's the one thing I wish I could be better at is not, is have more patience with my kids. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard, right? You have it's so tough. It's tough. As a, as a parent too, right? Like, you know, responsibilities and whatever, and then taking care of your kids. So it's easy to kind of, 
let those other things bleed yeah. into your, your parenting for sure. Um, so we, we kind of do this thing on, on the show called the rad dads, bad dads feature, okay. um, where it's kind of like, we, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So ask you to tell me like a, a blue ribbon kind of moment as a dad, like when you were really proud, that's kind of that rad dad moment. And then maybe if you can think of a kind of bad dad moment where you felt, you know, kind of like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that or whatever. Um, yeah. And so I'll, I'll turn it over to you. You can start with whichever one <laughs> comes to your mind first. Um, well, the, uh, the rad dad moment, I'll say, and this sounds very kind of cheesy and stupid, but uh, my son the other night, this is like recent, recent. And I mean, this, this might be dumb to some people, but to me, it's pretty cool. Uh, we were getting ready to go to sleep and I always lay with him till he falls asleep. And by the way, it's really hot in my studio. I don't have the air on. <laughs> I'm sweating right. like crazy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, every time, every night when we go to sleep, I'll watch videos or listen to podcasts or whatever. And I didn't really realize that he was paying attention. Right. <laughs> and so like, I think this was two nights ago. I was watching, I was watching this video. It was like Metallica live in 1984 they look way different right it's like the, the ride the lightning tour or something and silas goes daddy that's not talica and i went yeah it is he goes no talica don't have long hair <laughs> and i just in my mind i'm like man he's really paying attention yeah. to the fact that and plus he says his favorite band's talica which i don't know if they are he also sings master of puppets all the time oh, which i think is pretty cool yeah. But that's the thing where I want him to have his own identity and everything. But the fact that he is so in tune with what we're watching that he could pick something out like that. I think yeah. that's pretty cool. And another thing, I guess the bigger picture of that whole music thing with my kids is that they love to sing with me. Yeah. I'll get the guitar out and like we have our own like punk rock version of the ABC song. Yeah. And we have like, I wrote a song for my daughter that's all about her walking around the city and all this stuff. Yeah. And they understand timing and melody better than I did when I was 15. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's some in DNA thing of, of, you know, people in the family that are musical. I have no idea, but like my, my kids can sing scales. Like I've taught yeah. them how to sing scales my son, my son is four and knows how to play four chords on the guitar. Like, really? Yeah. And, and he can actually do it. Like, yeah. it's not like stupid kid stuff. Like he can yeah. do it. And like, I, I love it because I'm like, Silas, what's your favorite chord? He goes, E minor. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. It's almost just like, I, I, people say this all the time. Like, oh, my kids are the smartest kids in the world. And, and nine times out of 10, that's bullshit. And yeah. My kids, at least in certain areas like music or timing or whatever, they know their stuff. And like, it's not through me teaching. It's almost like they just get it. Like my daughter, she's not even three yet. And when she sings certain songs like the ABC song or, or whatever, like she hits the different notes and like can tell the melody. That's a yeah. pretty cool thing. Yeah, so I feel very proud of that whether i had anything to do with it or not it's still like cool to me and i'm like yeah. wow my, my kids at least understand something that means the world to me so yeah that's I mean, that would be the rad dad thing i guess yeah they uh 
I mean, it's, it's like you talked about your son, like kind of picking up on Metallica without kind of being told like, yeah, this is what they look like now. This is, you know, an old shot of Metallica. Um, like they absorb those things. Right. So yeah. I'm sure like so much of your life revolves around music. I'm sure they're just picking up on it right there. Yeah. They're seeing, you know, my dad's interested in that. I'm kind of interested in it. Right. I think that's yeah. how they first start to figure things out. Right. And so, yeah, those moments when, when like they kind of independently, like without being asked, they can sort of show back to you that they're interested in something that you're interested in. It does feel yeah. really good. Right. Even though yeah, you, definitely. yeah, you don't want to be that parent that's like, because I like this thing, you have to like it. But yeah, I mean, if they're going to learn about music, I'm kind of the same way. I'd rather them start to learn about Ramones and learn about, yeah, um, you know, whatever else. I mean, it's always there though. And I don't know if women have it. I mean, this isn't like a sexist thing, but when you're a guy, I mean, and you have a son or even a daughter, so I guess it doesn't matter gender wise. I'm just like, oh, they like the thing that I like and you get excited. But I also, if they like something I don't like, I'm excited as well. But there is that little like, oh, it's mini, it's mini me, you know? And I don't know why that is. And I know that sometimes that's not the healthiest way to be, but when my kid tells his grandma that his favorite band is Talica and he's yeah. four years old, he's not, and he's not just like saying it cause I told him to, like he actually knows who they are. That's a really cool thing. I mean, I just, it's an interesting kind of thing to, yeah. to see them, like I said, grow up and find what they like, you know, and you can influence it, but hopefully they'll still find their own stuff too. Yeah. I mean, again, it's walking that line, right. Of like, yeah, kind of show yeah. them, cool stuff and and expose them to things that you like in the world but um at the same time letting them have their individuality right well they get they get the best of both worlds at my house because i'm metal punk guy and my wife's like a hippie so okay oh nice so yeah they get the whole spectrum (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) so how about a how about a dad fail moment any that come to mind the biggest thing for me i would think it goes back to the patience thing which i i know a lot of people kind of struggle with this like sometimes I yell yeah. pretty loud, pretty loudly. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I'm not a guy that's going to like beat my kids or anything. That's I'm not like that. I love my kids, but sometimes I get stressed because of life mm-hmm. and the kids are being crazy little monsters. <laughs> and I yell a little bit too much when I should probably be like, I was just watching this thing the other day. And this guy was trying to explain to you better ways of parenting. Not that I was like searching it out. It was on Facebook or whatever. And he was like, you know, if your kid is being crazy, don't just yell, shut up eight times at your kid. Like take your kid and go, you know, I, I understand that you are energetic today, (laughs) (laughs) but daddy has to work or, or, you know, like kind of try to not reason with them, but try to almost get down on their level. and and speak with them that way be more calm about it and yeah there's no like certain instance i just know that with a lot of the stuff that i've got going on in my life you know work related or otherwise and being in such close quarters like we have a decent sized house but like right now i can hear my kids yelling and screaming in the (laughs) other room it's just sometimes I get a little bit crazy and I, I yell a little bit too much and I, I really would like to try to change that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you on that one. It's one of those things like you, for me, I like, yeah, you'll get frustrated. You yell or you say something 
And then you like try and imagine through their eyes what that looks yeah. like. And you're just like, oh my God, like how could I have done that? Not to mention, you, you don't want them to respond to stress that way either, right? You, you kind of well, yeah. want to model that to them. But it, I mean, everybody, you know, they reach their breaking point and they'll yell, yeah. they get stressed. They, you know, those things happen. Um, I, it's normal, I think. Right. But, but it, I think everybody has the same issue. Yeah. I just think that it, people can choose to better themselves and handle yeah. situations differently. And I'm not saying I'm there yet at all. I'm, I'm tr- currently trying to, because my kids pick up on it. And then when they get mad, they, you know, like, I don't, I don't want, I want them to know how to handle stress better than maybe I do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. You kind of, you want to model that for them. But I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, there's going to be times that everybody gets stressed. Right. And so, yeah, I always find like, to, cause I, I kind of do the same thing sometimes afterwards, like, okay, sorry, <laughs> let's go play. Let's like do this. Yeah. You want to like remind them, I, I love you, even though I just screamed at you. Like I, I love you. Right. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's so hard to, to come to grips with that, that feeling of guilt after you do that. And it's like instantaneous. I don't know if it's that way for you. It is it to- totally. Is. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, when you're like, I'm locking my keys in my car, like, you know, you're doing it. It's like, as I'm yelling, I'm like, I should not be doing this at all. I'm going to regret it as soon as I'm done. And then I do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I feel you on that one. Um, So I think we're, we're kind of getting to the end here of 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 the questions we typically ask. This has been so awesome. It's been great. Oh, I love it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. And and it's kind of neat. Like, like we were talking about community before and you know i'm thinking back to when i started listening to your podcast i want to say i'm trying to think of what the first episode was that i listened to it might have been trevor riley from oh yeah scream love Um, those guys you had nuno on the show right yes we did yeah so we talked to nuno um they were playing the blasting room 25th anniversary show last year and so we did that one yeah on location in fort collins that was really fun he's so fun he's such a fun Dude. He has told me, he has told me now for almost two years, like, dude, I can't wait to come on your show. But like every time I send him dates, he never responds. <laughs> he's a good dude. Like I know he's going to yeah. come on the show, but yeah, it's almost, it's always like, Hey man, are you ready yet? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. And it just never. So at some point he'll be on the show, but yes, Trevor was on the show. I had a blast with Trevor. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that band so much. Um, me too. Yeah, and all, all those guys are, are awesome. Um, yeah. So it's been awesome sort of like getting, I think sort of like listening to your podcast and then kind of getting to communicate with you online and like, you know, we're both in that punk rock dads group and then yeah. you know, both talk about podcasting and it's kind of neat to kind of see that come, come full circle here. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and share your experience of fatherhood. Yeah. It's think, been great, man. Yeah. And it's, it's helpful for, for our listeners, for sure it is for me, but it's helpful for, for the listeners too, to kind of hear, yeah, when we talk about these like moments of frustration or, you know, dynamics with parents or, you know, dealing with moving and whatever, these are things that people have to deal with, right? So it's nice to kind of hear other people are going through some of the same stuff. I just always like when something stresses me out with being a dad, I always think, and it usually makes me feel better. I always think, man, there are people out there having way worse issues. Yeah than what I'm dealing with right now, even if it's a really bad issue. Like my daughter, she was born with a cleft palate. Like her lip is, her lip is fine, but the palate, like the soft and partially hard, like up there didn't form all the way. 
And when she was about, uh, I'm going to say it's been about almost two years now, we had the surgery to repair it. And that was the toughest thing that I've ever, when they took her from my wife and I, and they walked her away, she didn't understand what was going on. And like, she had an amazing doctor an amazing team around her, a cleft team. And they did a great job and she's had no ill effects at all since it happened. And she, she's completely the like awesome now. And there was nothing that ever happened. It just took like a couple, like six weeks to heal up and everything. But that whole time when that was happening, I just remember like sitting there like a couple of times crying, you know, cause it's, it's your little girl and she's so little and frail and they've got her and they're cutting on her. Like it was so scary. But I also remember sitting there thinking, you know, this is a surgery that's going to enhance her life. Mm-hmm. She's, she doesn't have cancer. She doesn't, you know, like people out there are dealing with stuff, so much yeah. more stuff than what I was dealing with. And that actually made me feel better about the situation. But I, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I hope, hopefully it never does. But whenever your child has to have some sort of thing like that, yeah. it is literally the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. And I don't wish that on anybody, but on the opposite end, like I said, as bad as that was, I still was like, you know, get over it because there's people out there dealing with insanely worse problems than what you're dealing with. So that has always kind of helped me out. Like no one's the first person that's dealt with their kid throwing shit at the wall or something. You know what I mean? Like there's everybody deals with it. And I think through the punk rock dad's Facebook group and through shows like this, it's helpful. You know, like, I don't know how much my show helps. My show is kind of entertaining and you get to feel like you're a part of something and you get to listen to somebody that you love's music talk shows like this, I think are very important because as much as, you know, we've talked about music and we've talked about growing up and everything. I think that sharing experiences about what it's like to be a dad. So you don't feel alone. Cause I know there has, there have been times where I have felt very alone in things that have happened when I've been a dad and it's nice to have that support and then also feel like a part of a community again. So thank you very much for having me on and thank you very much for doing what you're doing, man. Well, yeah, thank you for saying that. I mean, I think that that's a big part of, of, you know, the show, but also kind of the rad dads kind of organization as a, as a whole. I mean, I think, unfortunately, there's not a lot of support out there for, for dads. Right. And, and rightfully so, like, I think there's a lot of support available for moms and there probably should still be more. Um, But certainly there's, there's less for dads, you know, after you have the baby there, you know, at least where I live, there wasn't really, you know, dad's group for you to go to or whatever. Like I, I was home with, uh, with my second daughter for a couple months um, as part of the parental leave. My wife went back to work and I stayed home and I remember going to um, taking her to the library to go to little classes there or whatever. And it it was fine, but it was always like me and then all the moms, right? Yeah. And so it kind of highlighted like, you know, there, there's kind of something missing there in terms of that kind of support. And, and I was able to, yeah, talk to the moms and, and, you know, share, you know, successes and challenges and all that stuff too. But um, yeah, it's just not, not really something that's very prevalent. So having avenues like this, I, I agree with you is, is really helpful. Yeah, man, I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I mean, the fact that anybody cares about my show is awesome, but I think more people should care about stuff like this because this really helps the world. I think mine is, is a nostalgia rabbit hole 
and stuff stuff like this is really needed so i i more people need to take notice of this kind of well it's nice you to say that i mean i think your your show um you're right it it is a lot of nostalgia for sure for me too i'm here you know 36 years old wearing my descendant shirt and that's just who i am right i'm listening to the same music i listened to in the 90s right and and that's just how it is that's (laughs) that's the way it is and um so it is nice to kind of have that to look forward to right like you know, maybe the bands you listen to back in the nineties, they aren't huge anymore or whatever, but to be able to, you know, hear one of those guys get interviewed on your show and like kind of get to relive that a little bit and get excited about that again. I mean, not that you're interviewing all, you know, it's not like it's has-beens, but I mean, you know, some of those type of interviews where it's with, with guys that I I haven't heard much from in in a while, it's, it's great. It's, I mean, just keeps you energized, right? Well, Remind I mean, like, why you love that? No, no use for a name. I just did like a two week thing where I had yeah. Matt and Rory. Rory didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, you got to come on my show. He's like, well, what is it? Explain it to me. We did like this whole, like, probably hour phone call the week before we did the podcast yeah. for me to like run him through what we're going to do and like how it works. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. This is why we do this. It keeps us young, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Any words yeah. of wisdom for dads out there listening um, or maybe soon to be dads? Uh, soon to be dads, don't be freaked out. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, you're going to have more poop on your hands than you ever have in your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, that's the thing. My, my wife has uh, kind of like, if, you sm- if she sees someone throw up, even on TV, she yeah. like has to throw up. So every time, every time like my kid throws up or whatever, like I'm cleaning it up. Anytime the dog throws up, the cat throws up, I'm cleaning it up. So yeah, you're going to deal with a lot of bodily fluids (laughs) and, uh, but it's going to be fun. And you're going to like every time, I don't know if you've had this thought or not. And I don't know if this is a thing, but I love my kids so much that like, like daddy, I pooped. There's no like your turn. Like I just, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like you pooped. I'm not going to let you sit and shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, you don't care. You don't care about any of that stuff. The kid that you're getting ready to have, if you're a soon to be dad is going to change your life, but it's all going to be for the better. Yeah. And it's the biggest, it's the hardest job in the world, but it's the most rewarding job in the world. And as far as words of wisdom, if you're scared about something, you should do it. Everything in my life, I, any success I've ever had, like I said, it's always been, I was freaked out about something. I had a yes or no decision. I always said yes. And nine times out of 10, it's worked out fairly well. So push through and say yes to everything. Yeah. I like that. Stop drugs and shit. Don't say yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Chris. It's been really, really fun. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you about this and hopefully we'll have more conversations going forward. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I'll tell you, uh, you can cut this out if you want, but you know, shoot me the audio and maybe I'll put it up as like a bonus episode to help you get a little bit, help some people check out your show, you know? Sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate that, man. And actually, sorry, you know, I forgot to ask you, tell people where to find you on, on the web. So you've got a lot of things going on. Yeah. Um, you got the podcast. So where do we find the podcast? Uh, the podcast is on all of the catchers, you know, Stitcher, yep. Spotify, Apple, whatever, but you can, so you can search that one time on tour, or you can just go to T O T O T podcast.com and all of the links are there. 
Uh, we just signed with a new network, Sound Talent Media, which uh, we're on there with uh, my buddy Dewey from Pure Pleasure. Uh, Jeff Rickley from Thursday has a kind of like a mental awareness podcast called Dark Blue. Chris DeMakes from Less Than Jake, his yep. podcast, he, it's on there. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on there. You've got, you've got to check it out. Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves used to be in another band. I'm spacing on what band it was, but he's got a podcast on there called The X-Man. It's a lot of the Jabberjaw family is now in a new place. Uh, okay. So, and you can go to soundtalentmedia.com to check out all those shows and my show. Um, I recently signed a lease on a new place to start teaching guitar again. And I have this new business called Midwest Music Mentors, which will be opening in the next couple of weeks here in Muncie, Indiana, where I nice. live. Congratulations. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I'm still, it's, it's kind of a risk. It's another one of those things we were talking about yeah. because we're still in the midst of this pandemic. And the biggest thing with the pandemic is that I give private guitar lessons. So people, if you're not going to school, you're not going to come to a guitar lesson. Right. Now people are in school, but it's still like the health department's like, you have to do this and you have to do this. And the place that I taught decided that they are indefinitely postponing lessons. So I got a deal on this place and I just decided, screw it. I'm going to sign this lease and see what happens. So I'm currently working on building my schedule back up and trying to figure out what day everything's going to kind of open. I wanted to do some kind of big event here in town and have like, yeah. you know, pizza and then all this stuff, come in and see the new digs, but yeah. it's in the middle of a fucking pandemic. So we can't really do that either. So like I it's a good place to leave this interview because it, it, it reinforces what we've talked about. Hopefully this will be a positive venture for me. Yeah. But if it's not, it was worth a shot, you know? So, uh, so yeah, just if, if, if you have a yes or no question for something to do in your life, say yes. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I do remote lessons too. So if anybody's oh, interested okay. in lessons, just hit me up. Just go to tototpodcast.com, all the contacts there and everything. Nice. Okay. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the best to you and your family. Thank you so um, much. You too, man through the remainder of the pandemic. Hopefully you guys stay sane and, and healthy and all that stuff. I know that's a challenge for a lot of families these days. We are, we are trending up at the moment in Indiana good. where I live. So, Oh, trending up and trending. Hey, yeah. Not good. Yeah. So I don't know, like they've talked about lockdowns and stuff. Oh, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I wear my mask wherever I go. I know that's become some political thing in the States. I, I think it's the most dumb thing in the world, but yeah. We got to get through this thing and I'm hoping we can get back to normal. For one thing, I miss doing in-person interviews for the podcast and that doesn't happen now. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, Zoom is, uh, I love it's, Zoom. It's, it's, it's a good alternative, right? But it's, yeah. it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, take care, man. Stay healthy. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Talk to you later, man. All right. That was Chris Swinney on the Rad Dad Show. Don't forget to check out his podcast that one time on tour to hear his interviews with your favorite punk rockers. I want to thank Chris so much for making the time to stop by. If you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us on Apple Podcasts or on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook at at rad dads show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads started as a community organization, and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in.
In the meantime, and in between time, stay rad.